Bonus section. A few bones for the disbelievers. It's not always peaches and cream when it comes to the Roth IRA, mind you. There are a couple things you need to consider before you drink the Kool-Aid completely. Number one, Roth IRAs are included in estate tax calculations. Yes, the vast majority of Americans will die without owing any federal estate tax. But if you are one of the couple thousand of Americans who have an estate over $20 million at the time of this writing, 2018, your Roth will be included in your estate calculation. Now, with that said, everything you own will be included. Your traditional IRA, your life insurance, home, you name it. So a Roth is not unique in this regard, but it's important to know that while a Roth is income tax-free, it's absolutely not estate tax-free. Ah, Josh, that's no big deal. We don't have anywhere near $20 million. No, look, I get that. You may not be that wealthy, but do you live in Massachusetts, New York, Minnesota, Pennsylvania, Oregon? All these states and hosts more have an estate tax and or an inheritance tax. And Roth IRAs will be part of the calculation to determine how much your estate owes in taxes to your state when you pass on. Massachusetts, for instance, taxes your estate if it is greater than one million. Not hard to get that threshold in Massachusetts with property value so high. Have a decent sized life insurance policy and a home. Guess what? In Massachusetts, you have a taxable estate. And if you have a Roth, it will be taxed as part of that estate. So just be advised. Number two. Roth IRAs are subject to creditors of non-spouse beneficiaries. As of a 2014 Supreme Court ruling, all non-spouse inherited IRAs are subject to creditors. So if you die and leave your IRA to a child who decides to open up a pizza shop and the pizza shop fails, his creditors will seek reprieve in what was your IRA, be it traditional or Roth. You may want to consider other options to simply leaving your retirement accounts outright to a child or grandchild if you feel there is a risk of a lawsuit. Say your children are surgeons using using risky yet cutting-edge procedures. Their malpractice premiums are through the roof. Why? Because they get sued all the time. Plaintiffs will look to every asset your child owns for payment, including the Roth IRAs that you left him or her. Number three, Roth IRAs do not get a step up in basis. Now, this one is huge. And again, it not only applies to the Roth, but to all tax deferred accounts, including annuities. Let me explain what the step up in basis means. You buy stock for $100 today. In 10 years, the stock is worth $1,000 and you get hit by a bus. When you die, the executor of your estate will capture the date of death valuation of all your accounts on the date of your death. In this case, the stock was worth a thousand on your date of death. The person you left the stock to could then sell it for a thousand and pay no tax. That nine hundred dollar gain escapes taxation, and this is a huge benefit of the tax code that many taxpayers do not take advantage of. Now, be advised: the step up in basis rules applies to any property you own outside of retirement slash annuity account, a house, an investment property, a collectible item. Anything you own that has grown in value above your initial cost will receive the step up in basis. To reiterate, this means your beneficiary's basis is the value of the asset on the day you die. It's very easy to identify date of death valuations for investment accounts. Simply find how the many shares were owned and the price per share on your date of death, and you're good to go. 
But what if the property is something that had no daily trade volume or price? In this case, your executor will want to engage an appraiser to determine the value. And it's very important to get appraisals done on all property where value cannot be easily determined simply due to the potential tax consequence. Okay, what does this have to do with the Roth IRA? Well, a couple of things, my friends. First, because a Roth has no step up in basis and transfers completely tax-free to the heir without going through probate, the Roth is an easy account for a beneficiary to liquidate while waiting on the remainder of the estate to be settled. The heir may say, boy, I really could use that $50,000 to pay off that credit card debt I've accumulated. I could wait until dad's estate settles in nine months to sell the house, or I could just cash out the Roth right now and pay the whole thing off. After all, it already transferred to me, and I won't owe any taxes on it. So what do you think the heir may do in that case? Wait until the estate settles almost a year from now? Eh, probably not. It's probably going to sell, uh, cash out the Roth and pay off the credit card debt. So sometimes the best thing we can do for long-term growth of accounts is to put restrictions on the one the account can be distributed. Annuities are famous for having huge surrender charges in the first few, few years of the account. But believe it or not, these penalties may actually help the annuity owner by giving a reason not to touch the money. IRAs work the same way. You get hit with a sizable penalty if you take a distribution out before your age of 59 and a half. And because of these penalties, many, many people will look for alternative cash resources before tapping their IRA or annuity. However, one who inherits an IRA, be it traditional or Roth, will not face any early distribution penalties. Thus, the pain to take that money out is minimized for the heir to cash in the IRA you left him or her. Secondly, because Roth does have mandatory distributions uh, for non-spouse beneficiaries, some heirs may think it's just easier to liquidate the whole thing in order not to be bothered with future RMDs. And I've actually seen this happen quite a bit. Lastly, a decedent may have the bulk of his or her assets in real estate, which is providing a decent income stream. The heir may be inclined to say, well, why would I sell the property? With all the costs associated with listing it, the commissions, when I can just continue to get an income stream from it, I'll just go ahead and liquidate that Roth to give me the quick influx of cash I could use, tax-free, by the way. And actually, that may be a good move. In some regard, the Roth IRA may be negatively impacted because of it being easily transferable and tax-free to heirs. Number four, Roth distributions may impact financial aid. And lastly, and this can be easily overlooked by those who are considering college for a youngster, distributions from a Roth are included in many colleges' financial aid calculations. Again, this is a negative not exclusive to the Roth. All retirement plan distributions negatively affect financial aid. But it's important to recognize that being tax-free does not mean there are not, tax, are not consequences in other areas. Quote, a tax-free return to contributions is reported as untaxed income on the free application for federal student aid, i.e. the FAFSA, and other financial, applicade, uh, financial aid applications forms such as a CSS slash financial aid profile form. Untaxed income is added to AGI to yield total income. Emphasis mine. Let me just repeat that. Untaxed income is added to your AGI to yield total income. As much as half of total income will increase the expected family contributions. And we get this from edvisors.com. 
edvisors.com, advisors.com. They got a lot of good stuff on their website for uh, college planning. Doesn't seem right, does it? Getting your own money back is considered income for the calculation to figure out your expected family contribution for college costs. But it is reality when it comes to financial aid, and you have to understand that distributions from a Roth could have negative consequences. I actually like the strategy the folks at Advisors say when it comes to using your Roth for college funding. One approach is to wait until after the student graduates and to use the tax-free return of contributions, then to pay down student loan debt. So if you're going for financial aid, you want to keep your Roth hidden. The asset itself shouldn't cause any issue on your financial aid application, but it is a distribution from that asset that's the problem. Let the kid get student loans, and then when the student will no longer apply for financial aid, use your Roth to pay, pay off those student loans. That's what advisors recommends, and I'm a big fan of that concept.